And uh, I believe I have something that the Lord has put upon my heart to release to you. We're in a, if you will, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 3, and we'll jump into it in a moment. But you know, I believe we're in a moment of transition. We're in a moment of transition, not only within the church and the body of Christ, we're in a moment of transition in our nation. You know, things just, I'm a firm believer that what we see in the realm of the natural is just a byproduct of what's really taking place in the realm of the spirit. But I believe when we see things take place in the natural that we don't like, what we need to do is not complain about it, but we need to shift who we are and begin to bombard heaven to begin to move into into heavens and begin to move mountains and begin to declare the word of the Lord. And then when we do that, we'll begin to see things move in the realm of the natural. But in order for us to do that, we're going to have to begin to get a different mindset concerning where we're at. Where we have lived for a long time that God, whatever you're going to do, you're going to do it in the house of, uh, of God. And then we're going to see your power be demonstrated in the house of God. And we have let the enemy trick us into a place that we have allowed that only to be released within the house of God. And I believe that God is beginning to shift some things in the body of Christ. I believe we're still going to see the power of God within his own house. But I believe that we're moving into a time where we're going to begin to see more and more and and more God demonstrating his authority in the streets just as much as he is demonstrating it within the house of God. Are you in agreement with that? Guys, and we've got to see that. We have, when, when, when we pulled up this morning, the, the thing is, is we didn't see 3,000 souls that were lost and hungry trying to get in the door. So what does he do? He makes us hungry for more of him. And then we go out and we touch the 3,000 souls. And then they come in and then they're put underneath the leadership to where they can be equipped to do the work of the ministry. Amen. But in order for us to begin to move in these things, we're going to have to begin to shift some things in our own minds, in our own hearts, in order to see the kingdom of God come to pass in our day and in our hour and when the world desperately needs to see it. Are you in agreement tonight? Hallelujah. Man walking with God, that's the original intent. And really, that's the foundation of everything that we are, man walking with God. But not only do we walk with God, there's an assignment upon the life of the believer to release the kingdom of God into the earth. And I believe you can take it all the way back to the book of Genesis and find where there was this relationship built between God and Adam, and they walked with each other, they dwelt with each other, and they spoke to one another. And then an assignment came to Adam. It says this, is 128. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. As Pentecostals, we like to declare that voice, right? We have dominion in the earth. We're going to subdue the earth. We're going to take it for the kingdom of God. And I am fine with that. And, and we should be fine with that. I don't believe that God ever changed his mind. God is not a guy, God that he should lie. He is not a God that he should repent. God does not change his mind when it doesn't seem like things are going his way. He declares his word and as his word is declared it's already established and we just have to partner with that which God is saying in order for us to see the fruit that God has already declared we would see so what happens is in that time we find that Adam forfeited that by sin sin came into the world so man dwelt with God in unbroken communion man forfeited that fellowship by sin so what was the answer it was really the answer before the foundation of the world was ever laid that Jesus would come and he would live a perfect life and he would be the sacrificial lamb to bring us back into what not just something new but back into the original intent that God had declared in the garden of Eden with Adam and guys not only that but on the day of Pentecost I believe that through Jesus that relationship was established but through the day of Pentecost the initiation of the restored assignment came back into being that we would come into the earth and we would subdue it and we would multiply and we would fill the earth and we would have dominion in essence what am I saying when the Holy Ghost was released on the day of Pentecost, it was the reinitiation of the assignment that he gave to Adam to fill my earth with the glory of heaven. Guys, and that's still the assignment that we walk in. Amen. But in order for us to do that, we're going to have to begin to move in some things. We're going to have to transition from where we currently are, maybe not physically, but in our minds, we're going to have to begin to transition in what God is doing. So the Lord is attempting to partner with his church for this purpose. For this purpose. And remember this. If you don't remember anything else tonight, which I hope that you do remember this. His attempt to partner with the church to release the kingdom of God 
into the earth that we're in for this reason, so people can encounter the true goodness and the love of God. How many of you believe that it's still the love of God that's going to draw the heart of the sinner? How many of you were drawn by the love of God? Guys, if it wasn't for the love of God, we'd still be lost. If it wasn't for the love of God, we'd still be broken. If it wasn't for the love of God, we'd still be in a mess. But thank God for his love and that we can move in this revelation. And because we move in this revelation, our lives have been radically changed. I'll get to Matthew chapter three. I haven't forgot about that, okay? We'll get there in just a minute. The Bible says this in John chapter one. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And this man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe he was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. So what is John really on the scene for? He was beginning to be a declaration of the original intent to bear witness of the kingdom of God into the earth, namely in the person Jesus Christ. John was sent to be a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And his message was so potent. His message was so much full of authority. His message was so amazing that even when John was put into prison, Jesus said, this is a good enough message that I'm going to begin to take it into the earth and we're going to be seeing the demonstration of that which God already released into our heart. So what was that message? What was that thing that God had prepared John to begin to release into the earth to get us back into a place that we needed to be? Matthew chapter 3. Are you guys there? I'll get there in a minute. The Bible says this, Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And listen to this. This is what he declared. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your faithfulness. Father, and I just pray that you would guide my heart and my mind and these lips. Father, to speak that which is you want to declare into this place. Father, help me do it with boldness and with clarity. Father, and I pray that the fruit would come and it would remain and it would bring change. Father, and it would touch lives. Father, and it would help us to get to the place that you have designed for us to be. In the name of Jesus, amen. John's message was simply this. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. How many of you are preachers? Wouldn't you like to have a nine-word message and it changed the world repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand now I grew up believing that when you repented it means you went up to the altar and you told God about how sorry you was about every bad thing that you had done and God would come and forgive you you know what the thing is that's not what repentance is repentance is not going up to God and telling him you're sorry for everything that you've ever done repentance that comes from the Greek word to metanoia and it means this to change the way that you think Because if you don't change the way that you think, you can come up to an altar, really feel heartfelt about it, and get up and say the prayer, say the right things, shed a few tears, feel like your lives have been changed, but go back into the world, and if your mind is not renewed by the Spirit of God, then you're going to revert back to that which you was in before you ever came up into an altar. Repentance, it's change the way that you think. So really what is John beginning to declare that he is saying, look, Jesus is on the scene. What's gonna have to happen is everybody that's underneath the sound of my voice, listen to the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. You're gonna have to change the way you see the kingdom of God because it's here now and it's not like anything you've heard about. Church, let me just say it like this. You're in a moment of transition. I feel this by the realm of the Spirit, and it's not going to be like anything you've encountered before. Now, also, me and Pastor Miller was talking about before service started this morning, when you go through transition, it's ugly. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? In any facet of life, if you go to a different church, if God is leading you into a new ministry, if you get a new job, if whatever the case may be, transition is not easy because we are creatures of habit whether we like to admit it or not. We like things that we know and we know what we like and we don't like things to change. The only problem is God will step on the scene sometimes and begin to shift some things and if we don't shift with him, we're going to miss what God wants to do in the future. So when I say this, and especially to us Pentecostals, when we come up and we declare things aren't going to look like they've always looked like, you think it's going to be more people in the floor, more people slain in the spirit, people running around, people running on top of the fuse, because that's in our mind, that's how God moves. But did you know God does things outside of those parameters as well? Sometimes you and, and, and our pastor says this. You know, it's funny. You can go into a Baptist church and you can say, how'd church go this morning? It was great. It was wonderful. Everything was great. The preacher was preaching a good message. You go into a Presbyterian church and it's the same thing. How was church? It was wonderful. It was great. You go into a Catholic church. It was great. It was wonderful and all that. You go into a Pentecostal church and if there wasn't 14 messages in tongues with interpretation and 15 people get slain in the spirit, how was church? God wasn't even there today. You know what I'm talking? Isn't this our mindset? Isn't this how we have put God in this realm of this is what he does? Because we're Pentecostal. We're charismatic. We be- Now, do we believe in the gifts of the Spirit? You better believe we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. God is still going to do those things. But if it's not wrapped in the bowl of Pentecost, does it still mean that it's not God? No, it can be God. Does it have to be wrapped in what we're familiar with? It doesn't have to be wrapped in the way that God wants me or the way that I want God to function. Sometimes he grabs a hold of people's life and you never know about it and we gotta be okay with that. Sometimes people are born again out in the street and they come here on fire for God and we're like, wait a minute, you haven't been to the altar. Well, the altar wasn't in front of the church. Maybe the altar was on the sidewalk somewhere. They got radically changed and radically delivered and they come in here set on fire, ready to be discipled, ready to be equipped to do the work that God has called them to do. Repent. To move into the reality of the kingdom to move into what I believe the Lord is beginning to prepare us to embark on and encounter. We must change the way that we think kingdom. And I'm telling you, it's not easy. It's not easy. Again, transition is hard. Transition is not easy. When you begin to shift some things, people get mad. Am I right, pastor? I know what it's like when you begin to change some things up and then all of a sudden everybody gets mad because nobody wants to change. And, and you know, it, it's funny. Here, here's just an old story. I remember hearing a story about when they decided that they're going to bring the upright piano into the house of God. And boy, and the church got in an all uproar about it. How dare you bring that bar instrument into the house of God? And then all of a sudden we wanted to move to keyboards and get rid of the upright piano and everybody was all up in arms and that how dare you get rid of God's sacred instrument, the upright piano. And, and then all of a sudden you don't don't have the old percussion drums you've got electric drums how dare you mess with stuff and we like to laugh but isn't this the mindset and that's just over about a, a few things up here but we don't like change well we think you should still have an old wooden pulpit no we're going to have a glass pulpit and, and half people's mad we're going to get different carpet half the people's mad we're going to get different lights half the people's mad but guys I'm not saying that all of these things are really that big what I'm saying is when things begin to transition sometimes we need to seek God should we transition this direction and when God says move we got to be willing to move the Bible says this if you are willing and obedient you will eat the good of the land Not when you're stubborn and stiff-necked, you're not going to see the good of the land. Amen? There was a lot. And now my microphone got turned off. They're turning me off up there, Pastor. Can you get with them? Oh, bless the name of the Lord. Sometimes the hardest thing to overcome in order to move forward is the past. Am I right? The Bible says in Luke 5.39, it says, And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says, the old is better. Nobody, nobody having drunk 
old wine immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. We don't like change. And you know what? Here's the thing. The Bible even declares that this is going to happen to people. Nobody, when they step into something new, immediately is going to say, boy, this is a whole lot better. This is a whole lot more grand. This is a whole lot more powerful. There's more anointing oozing in this. We need to go back to the way that it used to be. The only problem is if we get to that point, we're going to be miserable the rest of our life if we don't encounter what we used to encounter. But how many of you would say that God, let, let me just, there's been some awesome revivals that have happened in the land. You can go back to the Toronto outpouring. You can go back to Azusa Street. You can go way back to the Welsh revival, the first, the second great awakening. And let me just ask you a question. Do you, is anybody in this room believe that was all that God had? No, nobody in this room would ever come to that place where they'd say, that is all God could do and God will never do anything more powerful than that. We believe that the best is yet to come. But what if it's not wrapped in the way that we think it should be wrapped in? Because we, as a people, wrap our minds around things God already has done and declare that's the only way he can. But God can do anything that he wants. Amen? Again, can I say this? I'm not saying we're going to transition out of our doctrinal beliefs in the gifts of the Spirit, the baptism of Holy Ghost, we're still believing for them and we're still going to pursue after, not, not pursue them, we're going to desire it. And 1 Corinthians 14 says this, that we pursue love and we desire for these spiritual gifts to take place in our midst. I believe that the spiritual gifts are necessary. I believe the spiritual gifts do three things. I believe they glorify God. I believe they edify the body and I believe that they convict the heart of the sinner. And in order for us to move forward, we're going to have to get in tune with God and allow him to do what he needs to do in us and through us to touch the heart of humanity. But no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. If you have your Bibles, turn me to the book of Exodus chapter 14. You guys okay tonight? Transition. Season of transition. Exodus 14. Uh, let's jump over into verse 10. This is what the Bible says. And when Pharaoh, now this is right after the children of Israel had been delivered by the hand of God out of Egyptian captivity. And they are moving across the land and they come up to the Red Sea. And verse 10 says this. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt... Have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Don't we do that? We say, God, we need a change. God, we need your power. God, we need your spirit. God, we need something to move my family. God, we need something to move my church. God, God, and we cry out and we cry out and then he shows up and then we say, God, why are you doing this? Because it's not wrapped in the package that we're familiar with. Why did God release the Israelites out of bondage? It's because he told Moses, I have heard the cries of my people. They need a deliverer and God picked Moses. And then when Moses stood underneath the power of God and led them out, they say, why did you bring us out? It was better because no one, when new wine is available, immediately wants to walk in that direction because they think, you know what? This is not what it was cracked up to be. You know, but it goes on to say this in verse 13. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Those people that held you captive. Those ones that you cried out to be set free from. Moses declared the word of the Lord and said, today is that day. But you're going to have to transition when God tells you to transition. 
You're going to have to move. And, and there's three different things that I believe, and we're going to go through these in the next few minutes. I believe in, uh, I believe that God was dealing with their enemy, the realm of the demonic that wants to hold you captive and in bondage. A lot of times we give God, come and do this, come and do this, and we cry out, and he comes and do it, but we're going to have to move with him in order for us to get the freedom that we desire to have. Amen? I'm not saying it's easy. Boy, if I could just stand up here and say, hey, jump into freedom, and then there it is, and then praise the name of the Lord. Transition is hard. Transition requires work. Our relationship with Jesus is free, but it costs us everything. Amen? In order to move in freedom, in order to be in a position where God can use us in the capacity that he wants to use us, it will cost us something. And it will cause us to begin to transition in the way that we think. No, we don't like where we're at. But if God begins to move you in a direction, you're going to have to trust God as he moves you in that direction and not get to a place that said, God, I don't want to do this anymore. I know it's your hand leading me. I've got a word. You have spoken to us as a body, as a church, as an individual. But God, I won't, don't want to do it anymore because it doesn't look like I thought it was going to look. I thought we was headed to a land flowing with milk and honey and we get to a Red Sea. This is not it. You know what? It's, it's crazy to me that a lot of times God will speak something into you, but he doesn't give you the in-between stage. Because there's a lot of people that wouldn't have ever left Egypt if he said, now look, we're going to get out of Egypt and they're going to chase us. And they're going to come after us and they're going to kill you. You're going to see the hand of God. You're going to see a, a pillar of fire. You're going to see this cloud of smoke begin to cover us and protect us and lead us. But he's going to come and then we're going to come up to the Red Sea and we're not going to have a way to get across. Well, forget that then. I'll just stay here. Right? I'll just stay here. I'll hang out here. You know, life is not what I want it to be, but it, I sure don't want to encounter that. They're already mad at us. Do you remember when Moses went up to Pharaoh and he started declaring, let God's people go? And he said, apparently, these Israelites don't have enough to do, so let them make the same quota, but let them go gather their own straw. They're already mad at us. I sure don't want to take off running and then them be even more mad at us and make us do even more, so I'm just going to hang out here. I'm going to be the special one. I ain't going. Pharaoh's going to look at me and say, you know what? I'll make you a captain of... No, that's not how it works. We always make deals with the enemy. The only problem is... The enemy always lies, and it never ends up being. You say, I'll back up, and then he says, yeah, if you back up, I'll back up, and then you back up, and then the onslaught is really on, right? So this is what happens. God will deal with that realm of demonic, but the thing is, even though God will deal with those enemies, those demonic forces that want to hinder your progress and want to hinder you from transitioning, God will deal with that, but that's not the end of your fight, because now we jump over into Exodus 16. The hand of God miraculously showed up. Here they was at the Red Sea. The hand of God lifted up the waters and they walked through on dry ground. We know the story that when they got through and then all of a sudden the Egyptian army was following them and they were chasing them and they was in the middle of it. Then God let the waters fall back down and all the enemy, the word of the Lord came to pass just like he said it was going to come to pass just like us. God will make us a promise then he'll come through and then we hit another Red Sea moment and we say God are you going to do it this time well yeah you know what God never fails God never fails but then we get over here into Exodus chapter 16 verse 2 and 3 and this is what it says in the whole congregation now remember this is already after the Red Sea experience this is already after they've seen the hand of God move and, and the power of God being established in their midst and then we jump over here and this is what they say then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness and the children of Israel said to them Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So here they've seen the hand of God deliver them from their, and their enemies are no longer chasing them but then their appetites begin to take their focus. How many of you has ever had an appetite? And I'm not talking about your, some of us that could be a distraction, Right? How many of you like to eat? Now, I know better than that. I've ate with a lot of you. Not one hand that I see go up. How many of you like to eat? 
Yeah, okay, that, that's a little bit. Some of you are still having trouble telling the truth in church, but hey, it's all right, we'll keep moving. So their appetites begin to diminish what God declared over them. Same thing with us. A lot of times what gets in our way is not necessarily the enemy comes coming after us and those demonic forces trying to hinder us. What gets in our way is the appetites that we have established that are not necessarily full of God. Anybody ever been there before? And you say, you know what, I don't want to do this, but I do it anyway. And the things that I want to do, I don't do. And, you know, just like Paul, because Paul had some appetites. Paul was human just like us. And he would get frustrated. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death but God? Amen. Ain't Jesus the answer for everything, even the appetites? So what happens is when we begin to transition, even though there's a hindrance by the realm of the demonic, once we deal with that, now we're going to have to deal with our own appetites for the things that we thought we wanted that may not necessarily be the direction that God has for us. I know what I want this to look like, Pastor. I know what I want. In the vision still of this church, that 2,000 souls being operating in the fullness of what God had called them into, is that still the vision? And, and you know what? If it comes in a shape that I'm not familiar with, but God, I thought you was going to do it this way. God, I thought it was going to be my family. I thought it was going to be my kin folks. I thought it was not all these other people. God wins at my turn, and then all of a sudden our appetites begin to draw us out of that place that God had delivered us in the first place. So what happens when our appetites begin to draw us away, then all of a sudden we get back to that place of complaining. Pastor, 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 or God, this isn't the way that I wanted it to be. Did you lead us out here just so we'd starve to death? We should have stayed in Egypt. We should have stayed back there. We should have stayed back there. Let me... Let me can I just meddle for a minute? Is that okay? You didn't tell me I had all freedom. Can, can I ask you for it? You've been here 17 years, right? How many of you had ever thought, boy, I wish we could go back to Ninth and Cedar? We're going to get off that. Because <laughs> I remember growing up, I only went to Ninth and Cedar a handful of times. I actually got called to preach at Ninth and Cedar in a youth revival back when I was a young man. And then, so God began to transition, and then the transition happened. And then all of a sudden, it may not have looked exactly like it did at Ninth and Cedar, and then all of a sudden, God, why'd you bring us over here? I want to go back. And you know what? If you're not careful, 17 years later, sometimes the enemy will say, you know what? If you would have stayed there, if you would have stayed there, the only problem is if you would have stayed there, it would have never housed what God wants to produce in you now. There's purpose behind the transition. There's purpose behind what God wants to release inside of you. The only thing is, is you have to get on board with what God is saying and then move according to what he is saying. Did I make some of you mad? I, I didn't mean to. I really didn't. But this is truth, right? So not only that, but then we begin to move into Exodus 17, verse 3. And this is what the Bible says. And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses. Red Sea, we griped. God came through. We were starving. Our appetites were overriding our ability to hear what God is saying. God came through again. But now I'm thirsty. And you know what? You can go a season without food, but you can't go a season without water or you'll die. So a lot of times what happens is we get to this place. Well, let me go ahead and finish this first. It says in Exodus 17, 3, And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So what the enemy places in your head is you won't survive if you keep going in this direction. Because without water, you'll die. Transition. If you keep moving in this direction, does the enemy ever fought you like that? Boy, you, you think you heard a word from the Lord, but the enemy comes into your ear and says, if you keep going in that direction, you're going to lose it all. If you think you heard from God, isn't that the very thing that the enemy did to Jesus? 
As soon as Jesus got baptized, you remember this, right? He was baptized. He come up out of the water. The heavens opened up. The spirit, uh, like a dove, descended upon him. And there was a voice that said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He goes in the wilderness by the spirit. And the first thing the enemy does is says, if you really are the son of God. Jesus was moving according to the word of the Lord. And that's the very thing that the enemy wanted to combat. The enemy will convince you that if you keep following after what God is saying, you will lose it all. Your very survival depends upon going back to Egypt. The only problem is, do you remember what it was like in Egypt? Even though it was less than ideal and you didn't like it and you cried out to God to deliver you from that place, once you get into a place of unknown, you drastically want to go back to the realm of familiar, even though you don't like it. Amen. Now hear me when I say this. There is an all-out war to keep you where you're at. There is an onslaught. There has been enemies that demonic forces released to stop dead in your tracks. And your flesh will do everything in its power to resist changing the way that you think. There is an all-out war to keep you where you're at. And when you become stationary, the assignment stops. I didn't say the assignment goes away. Because I believe that what the Lord declares over you, you are meant to walk in it. It may not be you if you become stationary, but it will stop with you. Amen? So we got to walk in it and transition as the Lord begins to move in this. We all know this scripture, Proverbs 3, verse 5. And you know what? I, I, I love scripture that we use a lot, but sometimes because we hear it so much, it almost becomes calloused in our own spirit. But Proverbs 3, 5 knows this, and if you know it, you can say it with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not upon your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge, and he shall direct your paths. Yeah, we put that on a pillow. We have that up on a picture in our wall. But do you know that is the answer, and it's crucial that we get it? We trust in the Lord. When it begins time for us to transition into a place that is unknown, what do we do? We trust in the Lord. With all of our heart. And we lean not upon our own understanding. God, this doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like. But that's okay because you're trusting in God. And you're not leaning upon what is familiar. You're not leaning things that are wrapped up in your own understanding. If God is going to move you into a place that you've never been before, then guess what? There's going to be some unfamiliar territory that you're going to encounter. Think about it just for a minute. So the ultimate promise for the children of Israel when they got delivered out of Egyptian captivity was to go into a land flowing with the milk and honey. But yet they've never been there before. And I'm not saying once you get there, the battle is over. No, there's battles not over. You're still going to fight. You're still going to have battles. But it's still going to be the promise of God. Amen? The only problem is I would rather fight a battle knowing God is on my side than fight a battle knowing he's not. Amen. <laughs> Trust in the direction that God is leading, not in the direction you think he needs to lead. Can I just say that one more time? Trust in the direction that God is leading, not in the direction that you think he needs to. I want to talk real briefly about three areas that, that war against you to transition into what God is doing right now in this moment. Now, hear me when I say this tonight. I'm not coming at you saying, well, you're so far off base. I'm just, I don't believe that you're so far off base. But I do believe that we are in a moment in the body of Christ of transition. And we're going to have to begin to move according to those things. But the enemy is going to stop at nothing to keep you from transitioning. Amen? Are you guys okay with transition? Four and a half people, hallelujah. But you know what? God did amazing things with 12. So let's move. Three areas that's going to war against you to transition into what God is doing right now. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this, And now abide faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The enemy's going to war against your faith. And I'm not talking about your foundational faith. I'm not talking about your belief in Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, the enemy can come at me in a lot of different ways, but he cannot shake me from my foundation knowing that God is 
wrapped up in Jesus, amen? And Jesus is the Son of God, and he came to die in my place, and he came to wipe away my sin. He came to make me white as snow. He came to make me the righteousness of God through him, amen? And there's nothing the enemy can do to begin to shake me away from that belief because I am solidified knowing that that is the truth of the gospel. So what happens, the enemy can't shake your foundational truth, but he will come against your belief system concerning that truth. In other words, what he will do is he will begin to combat the word of the Lord that God has spoken to you. No, he can't derail your firm belief that Jesus is the son of God and he's returning. The only thing he can get you to do is believe that what God said about you is not true. So what happens? We understand that faith comes through revelation by hearing what God is speaking. Isn't that what Romans teaches us? Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes through revelation hearing what God is declaring over you. And what happens is the enemy bombards your mind with attacks to distract you from what God is saying. There's a constant war upon the word. How many of you thought it was an amazing service this morning? How many of you can tell me what pastor preached? Some of you are going, let me look at my notes. Okay, here's one. How many remember what was preached last week? Okay, let me just say, how many of you uh, went and saw the movie Sounds of Freedom? Do you remember everything, just about everything about that movie? How come you remember that, and you watched that months ago, but you might not remember what Pastor preached on last week or the week before? Because there's not a war on a movie, but there is a war on the Word. Me and my dad have the... We would have this conversation all the time. What pastor preach on? See, I was always cheating because I knew what our pastor preached on because I was pastor. what I'm talking about, you can come in here and the power of God begin to move and you say amen, you applaud, you, you jump and you get excited about what is released and you go to lunch and you go to afternoon and you come back on Sunday night and you're thinking, what in the world was he talking? It was good, but what was it about? It's because as soon as that word is released, the enemy goes to war against it. As soon as that moment comes upon you that the word of the Lord is released into your heart or into this atmosphere, do you think the enemy is just going to say, man, now that they've got the word, I'm just going to back off and it's going to gain ground and it's going to gain momentum and it's going to bear the fruit it was intended to produce? No, he knows that if it gets to that point, then there's no way that the kingdom of God will not touch this region. So what he does is grabs it in seed form so it'll never take root. Can we just be honest? There's enough seed that has been released into this region that our region should be transformed by now. And I'm talking about from generations and generations back before I was ever here, before any of y'all was ever here. There's seed everywhere. But is it taking root? Is it bearing fruit? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But it's because there is a war by the enemy upon that word that God has released over your life in this house. So what happens? The enemy knows he can't snatch the word because the Bible declares this, that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He can't change God's mind about it. So what he does is distract you from pursuing it. Don't let the attack cause you to retreat back into what's familiar. Because I'm telling you, as you transition, there's going to be a war. As you begin to move forward into the things that God has declared over you, there's going to be a battle. There's going to be a war. Our pastor over in Cape said he had this dream a couple weeks ago, and, and we were been, when we began to transition over into that place, boy, we just got some crazy, out-of-control level of attacks. Just one thing after another. It was, you know, brakes going out while we was on vacation. We had to get new tires on a couple different vehicles. I had to get a new trailer tire or oven quit working. And just weird. Anybody ever have stuff like that? Just one thing after another. And then all of a sudden when he released this dream, it was like, aha, revelation began to sink in. And I began to understand what the attack was about. But this was his dream. He said he was just preaching. And it wasn't necessarily our church. But as he was preaching, somebody came up to the front on the right side of the stage with a pillow just laid down on the ground and went to sleep. Nobody does that, right? He said they just came up and laid down and went to sleep. 
And he said about the time that they got dozed off, there was a commotion going over here. And he said he looked over and there was this man standing there foaming at the mouth. And we'd equate that with somebody that was demonically possessed. And people was over there. They were laying hands. They were declaring the word of the Lord and deliverance and, and to set him free and all these things. But the thing that he noticed while all of this was going on is everybody in the room was not listening to the word of the Lord. They was looking over here at what was going on. What happens if we're not careful, demonic activity will get our attention and we can't hear the word of the Lord anymore. Turn on the Fox News and see if you don't see demonic activity, seeing it, whatever the case may be. I'm not going to go down this political realm, but guys, everywhere that we see, how many of you ever turn on the TV and get so stinking mad you want to throw the remote at the television and get mad and, and think, why did I even turn this thing on? And you know what happens? In that moment when God is trying to release strategy for you to reverse the curse, you can't even hear him because you're distracted by what the enemy is doing. Hello? And guys, if we're not careful, everywhere around the world, everywhere you see, there's another distraction, another distraction. And the intention is to get your mind off what God said so that way you will focus on what the enemy is doing and we can't let it happen. The enemy is going to war against your belief concerning the word of the Lord by distraction. But not only that, it says, and now abide faith, hope, and love. Next thing he's going to do, he's going to war against your hope. That Greek word for hope is, literally means expectation. Anybody's expectation ever been warred against? Well, we're just going to go to church again today because that's what we do. It's Sunday or it's Wednesday or whatever the case may be. And you know what? We're just going to go and we're going to hang out. It's going to be good and then we're going to go home with no expectation. No expectation that God is going to do exactly what he said he would do. No expectation that the power of God may be made manifest in our midst. No expectation that everything God has spoken over, over our lives and in this body, this could be the very moment that it is unleashed and unlocked and we begin to move in that revelation and we begin to pursue after what God is doing. Proverbs thirteen twelve says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. When expectation is lost, we lose all confidence concerning that which God said. Has anybody's hope ever been deferred? God, I don't know when it's ever going to happen. Didn't Abraham get in that mess at one time? God gave him a promise that his descendants would be as the stars in the sky and the, and, and the sand on the sea. And, and you know how long he had to wait upon that promise? And you know what? He got to a place that his wife comes and said, it's never going to happen, so let's do it ourselves. And guys, we're still warring over that today. Have you ever thought about if you ever get to a place that you don't trust God and what you're doing and the decision that you make could affect generations from now? I'm sure in that moment, Abraham would have never thought Abraham would have never thought, boy, if I don't trust God right now, if I take matters in my own hand, it's going to affect generations from now. He probably thought, well, I'm just going to help God out a little bit. Anybody ever wanted to help God out a little bit? Doesn't that get us into a whole lot of trouble? When expectation is lost, we lose all confidence. That word deferred comes from the word seized. When your hope is seized, <coughs> excuse me, you begin to question everything. I know what this is like. You know what this is like. God speaks something into you. <coughs> Excuse me. God speaks something into you. And then all of a sudden you have a lot of energy and you have a lot of anticipation and expectation for that thing to come to pass. But when it don't come to pass, then all of a sudden you think, did I really hear from God? And when, you know what, here's the vicious cycle that the enemy wants to put in your mind is that when you think you've missed God, then your hope is deferred. And when your hope is deferred, you think you miss God. And when you think you miss God, your hope is deferred. Do you see that it's just a continuous, vicious cycle that the enemy wants to put you in to get you downtrodden, to get you to believe that what God said is never really going to happen? Because really, that wasn't God. That was that pizza you ate. I know you've been there. I believe every person that's ever got a word from the Lord has been there. Why? Because there's a war on the word. The enemy's not going to leave it alone. Even when you see the fruit thereof come to pass, the enemy is still going to bombard your mind with the distraction and say, this really isn't God. 
And then all of a sudden, we begin to look by sight instead of looking by faith. And boy, if you start looking at everything by sight, your hope really will be deferred. Amen? We can't look by sight. We've got to see, thus saith the Lord. And we've got to put our hope and foundation on that. And not only that, he's going to war against your love or your response. Love is the primary response to God. Did you know that? Love is the primary response to God. The Bible says this, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. That was declared in the book of John. That was the words of Jesus. He says, you can say you love me, but if you really love me, you will keep my commandments. You will keep that which I spoke to you. You will keep that which I have committed unto you. Transitioning into kingdom reality is really a hard issue to begin with. It's all about your love walk. If our heart and our love for God is beginning to wane and our desire for God is failing, moving into what he wants to do fails as well. We try to make too many things happen. When all God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then guess what? Ta-da! All these things. You know what all these things mean? All these things. Some grand revelation, huh? Just keep your love walk intact. And when we love God, we're going to keep everything that he tells us to do. And as we do what he tells us to do, as we was talking about a while ago, if you're willing and obedient, guess what? You're going to eat the good of the land. You're going to eat the greatness of the land. Everything that the, the Bible says this, the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And that's what you get to partake in when you're willing and obedient. Philippians 2.5, and I'm about to wrap this up, says this, let this mind be in you. Excuse me again. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. 1 Corinthians 2 says, we have the mind of Christ. So what is he really saying? We have to choose to let the mind of Christ lead us into kingdom reality. <coughs> In order for us to transition, excuse me, go ahead and pray this thing out of me. I've been fighting a cough for three or four weeks. I'm sick of it. So we have to choose to let the mind of Christ lead us into this kingdom reality. Do you remember when Jesus was in the garden and he was crying out to God and he said this, Father, allow this cup to pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Guys, we're going to have to move into this revelation of having the mind of Christ. There's some things that we need to transition to that at onset, we're not going to like it. But we need to have this heart, this purity about us that says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. At Christ Church over in Cape, we're, we're beginning to shift some things up. This cough is going to stop in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're beginning to shift some things up on Wednesday nights, and, and we're beginning to, to meet with different groups and life groups and things like that, and, and we're going through a, a curriculum, but really the essence of it is we are building relationship, and they're really wanting us to put more emphasis. Thank you, sir, so very much. Give him a hand clap. Bless him in the name of Jesus. Well, that water's good. Praise the Lord. So we're beginning to transition, and the purpose is, is we're going to, of course, study the Word and, 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 and grow together, but really the emphasis is on building relationship. I remember um, when we was at Victory over in Fairdealing, and we as pastor, and the Lord began to put something in our heart that we didn't really like. And not that that's ever happened to any one of you, but and I called Pastor Miller, and I was talking to him about it, and he says, hey, whatever the Lord is telling you to do, you need to do it. But what was happening is we were going to church with people on Sunday morning and, and, and you know, we'd go out to lunch and then we'd hurry and get home. And, and the Lord began to drop this in our heart. You need to cancel Sunday night service. And I said, that wasn't the Lord because how dare you do that? 
And I'm not saying this is your strategy. I'm just saying this is what God began to speak to us. But God said, you know what? You need to begin to use that time on Sunday afternoons to invest into your people and get to know them. Because it's amazing to me that we go to church with people for years, but we really don't know people in church. Amen? We we really don't. Because we all do this. Hey, brother, how you doing? Man, I'm doing good. Life is great. You know, it's, it's nice and sunny outside. I even had this conversation. Where's my... He's in here somewhere. There he is back there. We had a conversation as we came in today. Boy, this weather's been nice. And that's a conversation we have with everybody, right? But we didn't get down into the root of relationship. We just, we had talk. Hey, it was good to see my brother. I haven't seen him in a long time. But we begin to invest and, and build relationship. And when we begin to build relationship, then all of a sudden the church began to grow stronger together. It was, it was amazing to see it transpire. But then well, this is what we're beginning to, to shift some things over in Cape. And, and we're seeing God do some things and building relationship. And, and we have this structure built. And, and we have this emphasis on we are truly better together, which I truly believe. And it was funny. Last Wednesday was meeting with a lady who had, had been in church a long time. And you know she is just in, in that thing where, you know, how dare we cancel Wednesday night service to do these life groups. And she was all upset about it. And she said, she even made this statement. She said, God, I'm going to find a different church on Wednesday night. And then all of a sudden, God began to deal with her about it. God began to deal with her about it. And she says she started looking through the groups. Who's, who's she going to get connected with? And then she saw, seen my name and Melissa's name pop up. And she's like, all right, I, I take this as a sign from the Lord. I'm going to go connect there. And she is so thrilled that she is going to get this chance to grow with the body. But it was hard to transition. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to transition. When you begin to embark on something new, it's not always easy, but it is crucial in this hour for us to move in the direction that we need to. We have to choose to let this mind of Christ lead us into kingdom truth. Now, during this week, I was getting this kind of, you know, wrapped, and you know how messages work. You think about them, you're praying about them, and, and you think, and, and I've, I got this, Unction under, and you'll, you'll judge this, whether it's, you know, from the Lord or not. But I feel like I was supposed to tell you, everything that you feel like you need to cut off, just cut it off. Everything that you're like, well, I don't know, should we keep doing this? Should we not keep doing this? Should we implement this? Whatever it is, just cut it off or implement whatever it is. Now, in that word, church, I want to speak to you as well. Because that's not always easy for a pastor to do. Because a lot of times pastor will hear the word of the Lord and he'll try to move in that direction. Whether he's cutting something off or whether he's implementing. And then all of a sudden the war from the people comes, comes at him. Just, just hear my heart. For, I'm not getting on to anybody. I'm just telling you I know all about this. When you begin to move in a certain direction, some people are not going to like the direction that you and the first thing you're going to do is not war against what's going on. You're going to war against pastor and what God has placed upon his heart. You know what that does to pastor? It puts him in a place where he begins, God, was that really you? God, because I don't know. We have a great relationship. We've known each other quite a while. We've spent time together. And I don't know if your mind works like mine, but you can get a word, and then when you're ready to move upon that word, and not everybody gets on board, and then all of a sudden your hope can be deferred. I remember you, you told me this story one time when you guys were about to transition over here, and you decided, you know, this is what you need to do, and, and you went to, you know, the, your elder or your board that you had together. And Brother Marvin, you was all excited about it. And you were saying, this is what the word of the Lord is. This is what we're going to do. And Brother Marvin said, well, hang on. The Lord might have spoke. And, and I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember exactly how this went. But Brother Marvin just said, hey, you're going to have to hang on a little bit. How long did it take you to get this revelation? Give us time to get this revelation. And then it wasn't a day or two or three down the road. You came in. He was like, okay, God has spoke to me too. So then it was ready to move on board. Anytime that you get a word, not everybody right at the onset is going to move. The only thing is, is you need to seek God about it instead of war God about it. 
Because as you begin to see transition, as you begin to see things move, as you begin to see things shaken up, as you begin to see things cut off, and as you begin to see things implemented, it may war against your flesh, but I believe that God has put a vision in your pastor and, and, and Miss Jenny. And if they will go in that direction, if you will back them up in that direction, I'm telling you, you have yet to see what God wants to accomplish. We could go back into Exodus and, and if the praise team, I know you're hiding back there, go ahead and come on out. In Exodus, the Lord spoke to Moses and said this, what are you crying to me for? They're not warring against you. They're really warring against me. So in the future, I want to encourage you. I want to build you up. No transition is not easy. No making changes is not easy. Because we get attached to tradition, whether we like, we like to say, boy, we're on the cutting edge and, you know, we're not, tra we're traditional a lot of times, right? And that's okay. There's some traditions that I like that I don't want to get rid of because I think they're sacred and I think they make us who we are. Amen? There's some good things, but guys, don't let your tradition stand in the way of the direction that God wants to lead you. It may look different, but that's okay. It may feel different. You remember that song we used to sing? Boy, and it was good, and we'd throw our hands up when we'd cry. Whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, just come, Lord Jesus. Wait a minute, that wasn't the way I wanted it. I think God tricks us sometimes in putting that song into people's hearts, so we're declaring that out of our mouth anyway. Sometimes that's the only way we can say things like that. God, I don't care what you do. Just do something. And then he does it. Don't war against the vision over this place. Don't war against the place that you're supposed to go. Don't ever again go, I wish we could go back. Because the thing is, guys, it was great back then. It was. It made you who you are right now. But unless somebody invents a time machine, we ain't going back. And do you really want to anyway? It was good. I get 17 closings, don't I? 16. Okay, this is only three, so I got 14 more to go. Go ahead and stand, because that's the traditional thing. If I make you stand, that means I have to really hurry up. When people start sitting back down, I'll know it's time to wrap it up. Do you remember where the children of Israel came from? Don't start sitting down on me. <laughs> Do you remember where the children of Israel came from? Egypt. Egypt wasn't always slavery. Before it was slavery, it was salvation. Don't you remember there was a famine in the land? The brothers sold Joseph Joseph went into Egypt and all of a sudden God raised him up to help them be sustained and then the brothers came in you know the story and then all of Israel came into Egypt because it was the only place they could survive I thank God for what he did in the past but you know what if we're not careful what he did in the past can be bondage for the future meaning that God if you don't do exactly like you did back then I don't know if if it's you or not. But I just declare grace over this house. Grace over this house. Come on, grace over this house. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, change the way that you think because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change the way that you perceive because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We are moving quickly. We are moving at a rapid place in this hour. So get on board with the transition that God is declaring over you and declare, I will go in the direction that you send me. If you lead me, I will follow. God, let there be a grace upon my life to transition as you move. A grace upon your life in the name of Jesus. Can you just lift your hands to the Lord tonight? Father, I thank you for it. Father, I thank you for it. Father, I thank you that you give me everything that I need that pertains to life and godliness. I thank you, Lord, that you have given me a heart to pursue after you. 
Father, to desire after gifts, but we're going to pursue love. We're going to pursue after your goodness. We're going to pursue after your face. Father, and we're going to see your goodness touch the world. Father, we're going to see the glory of the Lord cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. We're going to believe for every word that you have declared. We're going to believe that it's going to be made manifest. It's going to come to pass. We believe that our region is going to be transformed. Father, I thank you, Lord, for transitioning us. I thank you, Lord, for strength to make it through the season of transition. I thank you, Lord, for favor in the season of transition. I thank you that there's a grace and abundance of the house of the Lord in this season, God. We look to you. We trust in you with our hearts, God. And we're going to believe that your will is going to be done in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you're in agreement with that, say yes tonight. Yes, Lord, we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Pastor, I'm going to turn this back over to you. Hallelujah. Church, we love you guys. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.